All right. Okay. All right. We're back on. You're going to read me something. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about, um, you know, you can't read everything, especially about Jesus. You can't read it all um, stiff. Uh-huh. Like, like, like it's super serious all the time because Jesus being fully human does use satire yeah. in some of the things that he says. Let me give you an example. So okay. in Luke chapter 16, we hear the parable of the dishonest manager. And I know someone out there has wondered, what is Jesus saying here? Because it sounds really weird. Okay. It says, he said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. Yep. Sound familiar now? Oh, I think you just preached on it a couple, oh, two weeks ago? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> two weeks ago? I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Of that, sit down quickly <laughs> and write 50. Then, Hurry up, they're then coming. He, he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. This is where people get really confused. Okay. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth or dishonest money. Okay. So then when it falls or so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Does that make any sense to you? No. That's a really hard one, right? Yeah. What people don't know, most likely don't know in the translation, is that the word for dwellings is the same word as tabernacle. And tabernacle is a way of speaking about um, um, heaven, but it also has the function of a tent. Yep. So what it's saying is, I'm going to read it to you a little differently. Okay. okay. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. You're how I'm changing the inflection yep. just a little bit. Yep. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal tents. Is there anything eternal about a tent? No. Nope. 
a tent is designed to be um, um, momentary. Temporary. Mm -hmm. Huh. Thus, satire, my friends. (laughs) And it goes on because Jesus is now going to explain what he said. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Mm -hmm. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Now it's an attack on everything that the rich man did, or that the dishonest manager did. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mm-hmm. That's satire. Yeah. That's, that's lampooning the entire <laughs> idea of being shrewd in business is what really matters in life. Yeah. But to read it the way we do reading Jesus so stiff yeah. misses the entire purpose of the message. There's another book that's just like this, but it's in the Old Testament, and it is full of irony and humor, and it is the book of Jonah, and people read it so seriously, Yeah, but it's not meant to be read seriously. It's meant to be read with the inflections that shows the humor, because it's it's an ironic tale about the response of the Israelites. Uh Uh-huh. To God's warnings yeah. over hundreds of years before they're destroyed by the Ninevites right. <laughs> or the Assyrians. Yep. And then here you have the story of one prophet from Israel going to Nineveh, yeah. says three words, basically, you're all going <laughs> to die, and the entire city repents. Yeah. And so it's, it's turning on its head and lamenting a bit of the stubbornness of Israel, whereas God is not the God of just Israel. He's the God of the entire world. Right. And Jonah is written with with humor in mind. I mean, Jonah has a lot of really cool stuff in it too. Yeah. But you got to read it not as a, as a, I don't even know how to say it, like, like read it like straight laced. It's, yeah. you got to be able to see the context of what's being said yep. to really get the full punch. Yeah. And, and it, and it, 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 it I kind of think of it as like, it goes from, from playing music with just the right hand Yeah. to now you're playing music with both hands Yeah. and it's just much bigger. Well, and that's why you, that's why you, you can't, you can, but you can't just read the, the Bible through just one time. Mm-hmm. Like right. this is why people. It's a good start, folks. It's a good start. <laughs> they spend their whole lives reading it because the, it's it's not like reading uh, it, right? You know, right. where where okay, yep, I read it one time, I got it. Right. You go back and find more and more and more every time you read right. it, and and you know, unlike other books, the Bible is, um, very much like like. Uh, how we think about the nature of Jesus. Jesus is fully human and fully God. Scripture is fully uh, man-written uh-huh. and fully God-inspired. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit speaks the word to us through Scripture. Yeah. You know, I mean, this this book that I'm holding here, it's just a book. Like, 
you know, if, if it was to catch on fire, it would burn. It's not as if it would, <laughs> it's, it's not as if it's om, omnipotent, right? It's just a book. Right. But when you open it up and you hear it, the Holy Spirit begins to work right. on you through the word that you're hearing. I mean, that's, that's the power of it. And it's, and it can be different. The same verse can hit you in different ways, depending on what's going on in your life and, and the circumstances. Yeah. And not only that, but the more you read it, the more that you realize how important discoveries are mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I sent this one to you a while back. It's from the Jerusalem Post. Ancient tablet found on Mount Ebal yeah. predates known Hebrew inscriptions. Yeah. And this thing, it's it's weird. You can you can go uh, the the Jerusalem Post. Look up um, Jerusalem Post Mount Ebal E B A L um, curse because mm-hmm. it was a a curse mm-hmm. written on a piece of tablet the size of like a chiclet. Right. Seriously, that yeah. small. Yeah. And it's got a curse that was written on there, and it was found on the mountain where um, where was was it Moses or Joshua who was told Mo- Moses told them, or I should say the Lord through Moses told them that when you come to uh, the Holy Land, I can't remember where it is exactly, but it shows up in Joshua, and maybe yeah. when when they it's either at the beginning or when they conquer. I, I think it's at the beginning. Yeah. Where half of you are going to go on one mountain. Yeah. And that one's blessed. And you're going to give blessings. And yeah. the other one, you're going to go on that mountain and you're going to give curses. Right. And I don't know if it even says there that that write the, the curses on the stones or something like that. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this, that. This has got a, a curse written on this little tiny ta- tiny tablet that they found years ago, but they couldn't open it up because it was it was sandwiched together. And after all these years, if they would have pried it apart, right. they would have broke it. Right. So they left it until they had the technology where they were able to read the inscription inside of it Right. And found out that it's got a curse on it that was found in the mountain where the curse was supposed to be left. Yes, and I, I know it, I know it's completely accurate because after you sent it to me, I, I looked it up in Joshua, and there it was. Yeah, and it points back to you know, it's. But I can't remember where I can't remember where it was. But yeah, look up that story. It, it's it, it'll tell you in scripture where it's. Yep. It yeah. It it. it it lets you know. Um, uh, eventually here and oh Joshua eight thirty, Joshua eight thirty. Okay. Yep. Uh, the biblical tradition Joshua eight thirty notes that Joshua, the leader of the Israelites, who was appointed to take over for Moses, built an altar on Mount Ebal as part of a ceremony to renew the covenant soon after they returned mm-hmm. from Egypt to Canaan. An altar of uncut stones. Yeah. Just amazing. And then the other thing is it had it had this curse written on it. And like I said, it was it 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 is like the inscription says you are cursed by the God, and then it's got the letters Y H W. Yep. And all that was written on this little piece of tablet that it it's got the uh, the dimensions on here. It's like centimeters. Mm-hmm. 
centimeters big, like two by two or something like that. All that was, was, uh, yeah, two by two centimeters. And all that was written on that little piece of chiclet sized tablet that <laughs> right. was found and they found it years ago but they like you know they, they were know. sifting stuff and then once they did find it sifting then they couldn't peel it apart because they were going to break it right. so they had to wait for the technology so that they could read what it said and then they found out that it had this inscription which goes back to joshua or deuteronomy right so but they you know so the more you read the bible the more you're up on this stuff and the more when things come to light, you're like, holy cow, right? Like the, <laughs> the other one that I love lately, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before, just stop me now and, and I won't keep going. But if you go back to uh, the, the, the flood story mm-hmm. um, and you read that, uh, it talks about the flood. When the flood happened, the skies opened up and uh, the waters of the deep also uh, came to flood the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, uh, um, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened. Mm-hmm. What is the great deep? <laughs> what are you talking about? The great deep, right? <laughs> right. But come to find out that just recently they uh, uh, they found that below the Earth's surface is more water than all of the oceans and the seas on You're the Earth. Kidding? No, uh, no. I'll uh, I'll you figure out something to fill, and I will uh, I'll find this for you. <laughs> well, you got me thinking about um, my my brother in law, who's who finds all kinds of interesting stuff like this too. Uh, shared with me a Joe Rogan interview of these two scientists and they are not, um, how do I best explain this? They are not like, uh, what you might say, like, like, um, creation scientists, like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, intelligent design type guys. That's not who they are. They're, they're geologists. And we have something now that we didn't have, even a hundred years ago, we can put cameras on balloons and go up into the upper atmosphere and then take shots of the earth, like the land. Yeah. And what we discover are things that we cannot see because we're in the midst of them about the rolling soil and the way that it moves and what they have um, gosh, I wish I could remember the name of these, these two scientists, but they've written a paper and no one disputes it. Like, like it is irrefutable Yeah, that what the only thing that could have caused this type of landmass change is no different than if you went to the ocean and you watched what happens when the waves flow in uh-huh. and how they make little, little hills ripples in the sand, ripples in the sand. That's over the entire like um, land mass of North America. And it's all over the place where you see these ripples that look like hills to us, Yeah, but it looks like ripples. And the only thing that could have caused that is a water level that's, that's like five to 10 miles into the sky. Yeah. That just yeah. would have flowed. That's the only thing that's powerful enough 
to have done that to the earth. It couldn't have been slow moving glaciers. Right. It just, it couldn't have been. Yeah. And no one discounts what they found, but it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that's really interesting. But here's our standing theory. And this is yeah. what we're going to go with. This is what we're going <laughs> to. Okay. So here it is. This is from the Smithsonian. Okay. Right. So we're not talking Babylon B stuff here. Right. This is the Smithsonian. So it's not as accurate. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> So you you uh, I I just read this uh, this part from from uh, um, Genesis yep. right about the the uh, the waters of the deep. So from the Smithsonian, some scientists think Earth's oceans formed when icy comets hit the planet, but new research suggests a different origin for the oceans. They simply seeped out of the center of the Earth. The finding mm. published in Science must be, I don't know if that's a magazine. I don't know what yeah, that is. is. Yep. The finding published in Science suggests that a reservoir of water is hidden in the Earth's mantle more than 400 miles below the surface. Try to refrain from imagining expanses of underground seas. All this water, three times the volume of the water on the surface, is trapped inside rocks. Wow. Below, 400 miles below the Earth's surface. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So then you go... <laughs> yeah. Right? So then you go you go back to the the flood story, and like I said, you've got um, uh, the the waters bursting forth from the deep from the deep. Yeah. And then when the flood was over, then they just went back to where they were. Went down the hole. Uh, God pulled the clog. You ever gotten a clog in a in a drain? Oh yeah. Yep. I just I just picture it like that. Like yep. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> so yeah, and. Uh, it's it's just amazing because you think about when was how long ago was Genesis written thirty five hundred years ago, so uh, Genesis would have been recorded. Uh, tradition states around the time of Moses, around fourteen forty six BC. So yeah, thirty five hundred thirty five hundred years ago. So it's not like it was a good guess, right? right. I mean, obviously they knew that this happened. You don't guess something like that. Yeah, and and even if they're talking about something that would have happened, you know, the uh, the flood would have been long before Noah's lifetime. I mean, Abraham lived 350 years before Noah. Right. So, I mean, this is going back a ways, but it was kind of like, yeah, everyone knows that story. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. And now, 3,500 years later, or however long later it's been. Now, we're using a different way to study the world and study the history of the world yeah. using, you know, I kind of joked, you're like science. Is that a magazine? It is, but I just kind of wish it actually Smithsonian just said, and now published science. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in science, you, you know what that is. Right. But you know, <laughs> ah, wow. Look what we just discovered. No, they discovered it a long time ago. <laughs> oh, you mean right here <laughs> yeah. in this book? And you know, what's funny about that. When I first heard about it, I was like, no way. Right. There's no way. Right. So I went back and I found the Bible that I got in fourth grade. Because uh -huh. that was clearly before they would have discovered this. <laughs> right. That's, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> it wasn't a rewrite, boys and girls. Wow. It's there. And that's, that's the kind of the... I like how you put it before because that really is... That's a fun thing when you're in scripture and you're sometimes things happen in life or they discover something that they didn't know, or it's new news to the science. Yeah. You can be like, man, I think I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah. Where did I hear that? <laughs> well, in your Bible. Yeah. And you know, yeah. how, how'd they know that? Yeah. Well, 
obviously they did. <laughs> so that's, that's fun stuff. Yeah. 